0: Hi and welcome to the Bandic Club India Football Podcast. We've been a bit inactive, I would say, for uh, a while, but we're getting back to uh, making regular episodes. I'm your host Gaurav and we have two guests uh, with us today. Keshav, who's a Real Madrid fan and Mohit, who's a Liverpool fan. And in today's episode, we'll be dissecting the quarter-final round of fixtures in the Champions League. So, hi Mohit. Hi, Keshav. Hey, Gaurav. Good to be here. And really looking forward to
1: dissecting each and every small aspect of this Champions League draw. Although it was very disappointing. But yeah,
0: looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I will completely uh, mirror Mohit's views. Being a Madrid supporter it was very heartening to see them get through.
0: Yeah, so great, great. So, Real Madrid versus Liverpool. What went wrong for Liverpool, man?
1: I think the tie was lost in the, in the first leg itself. The team that Liverpool is wasn't the best representationist in the first leg. We went out, we we were a little defensive to start with being the, the away leg and if you would have realized the second leg, how we were pressing right from the very first go and that's what we are. And even if I go back to our Champions League winning season, uh, the way we uh, Played in the first leg with Barca and the second leg at home. I think we should have learned that if we can maintain the same intensity right from the very go and without making things hard for us, we could have a very well planned tie which always works out for us. But somehow, knowing Liverpool, we like making things really, really hard for our own club, for our own fans. And sometimes it works. This time it didn't work. Hopefully, a lot of learnings. But then again, going forward, I think the plan needs to be set from the very first go. Also, looking at the few Crucial mistakes that that Trent made and a couple of other folks, I think Keta as well. Yeah. I think the first half, the game went past Keta and he didn't know what was happening. It wasn't the right choice for a start, starting lineup at such a huge crucial game. I think a couple of strategic as well as not being able to put the plan on the field led to our downfall across the two legs. I guess I mean
0: Trent had a real shocker of a game in the first leg. He was getting dominated on that flank by uh, Vinicius and uh, Mondi.
2: You know, this game would have been completely different had Liverpool scored yesterday in that second-minute chance that Salah got. Because if you would have seen like that first five-minute spell that Liverpool had, it was complete blitz. Madrid didn't know what was happening, and uh, if they would have scored, I'm sure that you know Liverpool could have taken that tie. Uh, but honestly, um, I loved. Cruz and Modric
0: really bossed the game.
2: The thing that I want to highlight, I mean, I'm yeah. sure so most people would already recognize it. This is Madrid's makeshift defense, right? I mean,
0: correct, you correct. don't
2: have your first, you don't have a first and second choice right back. You don't have your two center backs. Yeah, and no, Ramos you know are no playing. Marane. Exactly, you're playing Militao and Nacho, and then you're playing Valverde as your right back. For these guys to you know stop Liverpool from scoring. I mean Salah had an off day I mean he would have scored at least two yesterday if he was on form so madrid were lucky that way but uh, my shout out to casemiro i think he was man of the match yesterday hands down the way he protected madrid against liverpool's attack and yeah i mean the point was that as mohit rightly said you know because madrid had that cushion they didn't really need to do anything overly aggressive so, they could have correct, correct. nine or ten men back. Exactly. So, if, if you would have seen, you know, the commentators yesterday kept on ranting about that white wall, white wall. Yeah, and actually, this would need yeah, to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they didn't need to do anything. It All they needed it was to hold on did. and defend and
0: shut out Liverpool, which they managed.
2: Exactly. And you know, I mean, and I also have to say that Liverpool did a good defensive job yesterday. I mean, Trent was brilliant yesterday. But, you know, they couldn't take the chances and okay, on any other day, we would have had a very different conversation. But yeah, I'm happy that Madrid are through. Really happy.
0: Jordan Pickford really uh, derailed your entire season by injuring Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> a lot of people are saying Pickford ball on door and stuff. But uh, all jokes aside, Liverpool really haven't recovered from that injury, man. They've bought in players. They've used all kinds of combinations at the back. But they're really struggling. The over-reliance on Van Dijk is clearly evident now. And the the entire season has just been derailed completely.
1: So, it's not just VVD, right? Now, since Keshav mentioned about makeshift defences, our primary defence, that is Gomez and VVD, not there. Their replacements, Matip... Not there. Then Hendo came in, played a lovely not there. So when we talk about makeshift defenses, we're constantly evolving and constantly changing, right? And uh, if if yes, I understand if there is one injury, yes, it can demoralize you, especially if, it, if it's an injury like a VVD, right? Now uh, he's been he's been pivotal for us since the moment he joined. And you could see from our title winning season that the kind of impact that he had. But I understand that he went off and it, it was very eminent that he's gonna be out for a season for almost a season. Then following his injury Gomez who was having a lovely season went out. These this sort of domino effect it led us to keep adapting to a to a newer strategy, newer way of our entire gameplay because an entire game starts from quick build-up, right from defense to the attack. And right. if you're constantly having, if you're constantly having defenses shuffled around, changed, I mean, it, it's going to affect every team, if not the best team in the world. And I'm just going to tell you that. Imagine you're playing with. Imagine going back to our college life, right? We were so used to playing with each other. All of a sudden, if I changed the the entire defense, you wouldn't be able to perform at at that level, which you're expected to. And here we're talking about professional Premier League teams, professional top 10 teams in the entire world. So yes, the effect was there. Now, how we recovered from that effect? Yes, we did a lot of, we brought in a lot of defense players. We got... Kazakh, we, we changed Fabinho's position and i think during that experimenting and figuring out multiple styles of play we we fell through an entire slump
2: before mohit you start i just wanted to ask you one thing and i might be wrong with this but do you feel that the way klopp you know built this team in the last couple of years he had 11 perfect players in the jigsaw and you know, in case one of them went missing, the entire system collapsed. Do you think that is the issue that the focus was only on these 11 players and them being perfect?
0: I mean, he had the perfect team. There was balance in defense. They were lethal in attack. But the squad, if you look at like say 25 players, maybe the the squad depth wasn't as much for like a injury-prone season like this one.
2: So yeah, more... because I don't know how true this is, but uh, and I'll let Mohs continue after this, but apparently Liverpool have used 20 different centre-back combinations. So, I mean, I completely understand where he's coming from when he's saying that it's been a defensive crisis of sorts.
1: In the direction where we're headed. Uh, and obviously, since, since we were so dependent on the best 11 that uh, Klopp had set up. Also, the best 11 were best 11 because Klopp was setting up with the kind of training regimes we had. We believe in hard metal, the gagging press. So, it's not just what we see on the field, right? What happens behind the camera in terms of training. training. Yeah. We actually prepare people for that gagging press that they can run throughout. Their stamina is built in such a way. And, uh, but then,
2: the medical- then Mohit, do you feel that that's sustainable? I mean, you know, because Liverpool had a proper golden phase across the last two years. But if 11 players are expected to perform at a world-beating level... Do you think that's sustainable across, say, a 5-6 year window or was this expected to happen?
1: So, wasn't expected. But then uh, from us, right, when we look at things, we might see 11 players. But then the entire squad was performing really well. Uh, people like, uh, if I just talk about the midfield, right, this entire season was rebuilding on that. So, if I just compare that 11, we had Genie, Hendo, Fab. Uh, we had Keta who was supposed to perform. Now we have Tiago, we have got. Kort- Jones coming up through the through our ranks, so that entire midfield what we needed, and all of them are like-minded, similar roles, who who perform similar roles, who would add who would complement to our system. Talking about our front line, Origi wasn't performing, so we got Jota. That was a lovely deal. Talking in terms of our defense, we had mative Gomez, and we had VVD. Right. So this season was supposed to be an update. From the previous season, like I'm imagining I'm updating your system and all of a sudden while updating your system, I change your Mac and I put Windows in it. It's not going to make sense and that's what happened with us. our entire, our entire
0: core
1: was our entire core was removed, our defensive core was removed, and then from updating we were just like chasing shadows.
0: Um, so I'm yeah, moving on now, now let's um, uh, talk about PSG versus Bayern. Both the legs were really hard for
2: what do you think? Paris and German are they going all the way? Um, I hope not because I'm a Madrid supporter. But uh, in terms of those two legs, it was absolute chaos and it was amazing to watch. You know, two teams uh, set up in a certain way. Uh, Bayern without Lewandowski and Nabri clearly, uh, you know, missing a lot. Having a really good German team, a German squad, but then still they weren't able to perform. Uh, PSG took their chances. And by far, G, I feel that Neymar's second leg performance was one of the best I've seen him do in the last couple of years. And it was a shame that he didn't score.
0: Didn't score, yeah. But it'll
2: be, it'll be really interesting when PSG face City. I mean, I really don't know how it'll turn out. Because PSG are not really... I don't know what kind of system PSG exactly have. Like, you can't bucket them in a certain way.
0: I would say that they are, they are more counter-attacking than what they were under Tuchel. But, yeah,
2: so what uh, if you see what he's done is right, you know, he's he's put two very defensive holding midfielders because he didn't have Virati. And then he's put like I won't count Draxler as someone who's critical to their attack. But the other three are ultra attacking players, Neymar, Di Maria and Mbappe. And Mbappe
0: yeah. So yeah. I think
2: he's just I think he's just split his team in two parts, right? One is the three man attack and one is everyone else. And it paid off.
0: Yeah, Mbappe has been lethal. His finishes Especially that second goal. The first goal was still fine. It could have been saved. It wasn't a great shot that went near post. But the second goal was really nice. He fainted. He uh, faked uh, going to the far post and then smacked it in the near post. That was a killer finish. Especially with Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria, their pace is like really formidable. But what about Bayern, Mohit? What do you think happened to Bayern? Why didn't they manage to beat PSG over both the legs?
1: Again, I think this was a tie which was lost in the first leg itself because three away goals was it's a huge thing, especially if you're if you're somehow managing to get three goals from a stadium like Al- Allianz Arena and and you can come back to Paris, you have that sort of luxury. But I think uh, I'd like to mention here. I think Neymar in in one of the posts. One of his Instagram posts, he shared that it does not matter if you take a girl out and if you spend the entire night with her, uh, taking her to fancy places for dinner. If someone can take her within five minutes, and uh, that's what PSG did. <laughs> like why? While, while Bayern played the the right football, they pressed, they had the the maximum share of possession, but then when you look at the numbers which count in football, I think. Paris scored goals, although both of them scored the same number of goals. They scored when it mattered most, and and more importantly, where it mattered most. Correct. So I think that's where, yeah, that's, where, yeah. that's, where that's where.
2: And uh, and G, you can look at uh, you know that I, I think uh, someone shared the Instagram post of the PSG players celebrating in the locker room. It's mad celebration. It's like they won the Champions League. Yeah, right?
0: I know. I know. I was I was going to add a comment saying exactly that. But, yeah, they knocked out the defending champions, man. So, obviously, they were, like, excited. Oh,
2: it so. was brilliant. It was absolutely and yeah, brilliant. yeah, it, really it really looked
0: as so, though, you know, they had won the trophy already and stuff. But, yeah, it was quite a quite a celebration by that team.
2: So, I'm supporting yeah. PSG now. Who, so, who are you supporting, why?
0: I'm
1: supporting PSG now because I'm a huge fan of the Neymar and Mbappe partnership. I think that off-the-field, yeah. as well as the on-the-field chemistry, actually complements, like, they really good friends off the field. They keep pulling these pranks on each other. They keep fucking around with each other,
3: and on the field, the way we f- they fuck around with I the, know, the opposition are, defenses.
2: Mohit, boss, if you're being honest, then just say that because you're a Liverpool supporter, you can't support Chelsea or City.
1: No, I really <laughs> like PSG. And uh, Chelsea, <laughs> City, anyway. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna support like clubs who have a chance, right? And Aha! so it'll
2: be, ah, it'll be okay. either
0: Madrid or P.S.C. So P.S.C.
2: Fair, fair. G shots to you. Yeah, you yeah I know,
0: I know. All I'm gonna say is we don't give a fuck whoever you may be. We are the famous CFC. So bring on Real Madrid. So, yeah. So Borussia Dortmund, Man City. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Borussia Dortmund, man. I really like their team, their ideology, playing youngsters. They, they are one of my favorite teams in Germany. So, yeah, they were unlucky against City, man. Although Foden was the difference in the end, scoring in both uh, legs. But they got lucky with that penalty uh, uh, that Emre Chan conceded. Well, did you did you see the game, Mohit? Did you see the game,
2: Keshav? So, yeah. So, gee, I saw the highlights yesterday after the game. And honestly, I feel that even in this leg, if you guys remember that for, in the first leg, uh, that disallowed uh, Dortmund goal, which I don't think was illegal at all. So, I think that really changed the leg. The problem with these handball decisions, I still don't understand. Clearly, it wasn't intentional. But Chandler, yeah, he,
0: he headed it onto his hand, man. Like it hit his head first and then his arm. But obviously, you could I mean, you can argue it, saying uh, that his arm was exactly. high. Exactly. It was raised like high and stuff. But it was very unfortunate. Yeah. Like the ball because rico- I mean,
2: because
0: his head onto his arm and this, the left.
2: this definition of being in an unnatural position. I mean, how is a person supposed to you know balance himself out when he's diving? To head the ball away from his goal. I mean, obviously, his hand is going to go there. So, I, I feel that was really harsh. And if Extremely that penalty hadn't been given... That,
0: that was like at a very crucial yeah. point. Because Bellingham yeah. had just scored the goal that gave uh, Dortmund the advantage. And Exactly, Bellingham, exactly. Yeah, and although he's only 17 and then obviously Twitter exploded. And like there were all kinds of tweets. And one, one guy was like... Uh, Bellingham is not old enough to buy GTA 5 but he's scoring goals in the UEFA <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I saw that on Instagram today
0: All kinds of fucking tweets, man yeah. But yeah no, so- but I
2: feel that, yeah, definitely you're right because if, if City hadn't scored then you know, the momentum would have taken a lot of time to come to City's end and the game, you know, could have gone the distance yeah. So, yeah
1: I think both City and uh, Dortmund, they they were facing this this crunch that whenever they reach this point of Champions League, they are somehow knocked out, and this has been happening for the past few seasons, except for one. Uh, except for the one where uh, Dortmund went on till
0: the finals and got lost. There is interesting two. story about that, by the way. That was like that was 2012-13, and mm-hmm. um, Dortmund. I was following that very closely because and Jorgin Klopp was the manager of Dortmund back then. So they were playing Malaga in the quarterfinals, and the first leg they drew nil-nil. So for the second leg, which was played at the Borussia Dortmund home stadium, the Westfalen Stadium, the fans decided to make like this gigantic artwork. It's called a T4. Basically, it's called a TIFO T4, which is basically like the artwork that the fans uh, display before kickoff and stuff. So they they made like this extremely intense-looking a guy looking through binoculars with a with a Borussia hat and like this sick evil grin on his face and that uh, t4 was like it was massive okay almost as, as much as an And the entire thing was covered with that t4 and uh, below that was a, a saying in german that said on, on the hunt of the lost henkel pots and the henkel pots are basically they call the UEFA champions league the henkel pots as like a uh, local reference because they haven't won it since 1997. So that on the hunt for the lost Champions League trophy was like the banner, and they won that game 3-2 right at the death with uh, Marco Royce and Felipe Santana scoring in after 90 minutes in extra time. So it was it was
3: crazy. Yeah.
2: Interesting stuff.
3: Yeah, I think that's what the impact of fans, since you brought it up, has in in any game. Uh, So cannot stress more on that fact, but as I was saying, uh, I think both these teams, they had a strong point to prove at this stage of Champions League, because for the past couple of seasons, uh, City has been shown the exit door right at this particular, either at the the, uh, round of 16 or in the quarterfinals. And now with their uh, sights on the treble for this season, they had a huge point to prove. And as well as Dortmund, I think as Keshav rightly said, that goal which should have stood where Bellingham took the ball from Edison. Had that goal been counted, we would have been seeing a totally different climax to this, to this entire leg. But knowing Pep and knowing City, they are used to handling tough situations now, tackling really, really tough situations. So even if that goal would have gone in, they might have something they might have conjured something from their hat, and knowing Pep being the perfectionist that he is.
2: So G, do you wanna give us your comments on the Chelsea Boto thing? Because you're the Chelsea. You're the Chelsea boto, yeah, man,
0: I, I would like to say that firstly we weren't great over both the legs. Uh, we didn't play like the best football under uh Dushel as as like we've seen over since he's taken over. But we did enough. We grinded out the results. Uh, in the first leg, we limited them, limited their attack, whether it was Marega or Jesus Corona or Luis Diaz. Whoever was attack- attacking, we they, they barely had a look-in in the first leg. We took our chances on the other end, Mount had that killer turn and finish in the first half. And obviously, Chilwell capitalised on that Corona mistake and grounded the keeper on support. So, we took our chances. And the second leg, uh, they came at us more and obviously, it was in a similar situation to like the… Liverpool Real Madrid thing we had a lead so we just we were, we were happy just uh, letting them have the ball and defending so they really came at us in the second leg but it would have been another clean sheet if it wasn't for that extremely crazy bicycle goal by that Iranian uh, Porto player I f- I forget his name but uh, uh, that
2: was that was a brilliant goal but
0: yeah that was a was a killer goal but but we got through man and when the semis and uh, DR Madrid is waiting for us in the semis and it's it's, it's exciting to be a Chelsea fan right now because Lampard was clearly floundering. You know, we were really looking like a very below-average team, especially the defence and under Lampard. But Tuchel's come in and he's done a brilliant job and uh, he's made the defence compact. Apart from that West Brom game, which was a freak game because of the red card and all, but we have barely conceded many goals. I think just three goals uh, apart from that five-goal thing at uh, West Brom. So, yeah. Uh, through to the Champions League semis and uh, awaiting Real Madrid. Can't ask for more. Let's see if we can go all the way.
2: You never know what
0: Chelsea, talk. dude. You never know. Trust me. This could be like another 2012 season. You never know. But, uh, yeah, Real Madrid is going to be a very tough tie. And I think you will get all your uh, key players back as well, Varane and Ramos and Carvajal and probably Hazard as well. I think Hazard has resumed training, so
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it he will has, be full strength.
0: They, like they, when they played Liverpool, they were on full strength, but against Chelsea, it's going to be a full strength Madrid lineup. So it's going to be really tough. But I'm hoping we can like squeeze through and get into the final.